Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking all about how to get executive buy-in to try new event tech. This is something a lot of us go through as we try to convince clients, or if you are employed with a company, convince your team to innovate and use new tech for events. So stick around for five tips about how to get executive buy-in. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back, friends. We're here with another episode of the Better Events Podcast. Happy December. This is my favorite month on the calendar, so I wanted to kind of theme our icebreaker question today, Mary. It's going to be a little bit on that holiday holiday side of things. We've teased it in other episodes, I feel like, but what is a holiday tradition that you cannot go without? So most of my traditions surround food, so my brain went immediately to eggnog which is, is that a tradition i feel like eggnog is traditional because it's only available in like normal stores certain times of the year okay so that's what i'm gonna say eggnog is a holiday tradition that i can't go without i'm a big eggnog fan so um having it not just for you know the holiday meals but just for fun <laughs> just kicks and giggles sometimes so that's me what about you I love the emotional connection we have from holidays and like food or something like that. And this is kind of why I like this question. For me, um, the first one that also came to head was also food related. But this one is Chex Mix. And if you <laughs> if you know me, you, you know that I like to make a lot of Chex Mix. Uh, not the kind that you can buy like in the bag, but this is one you make from all the cereals and the pretzels and the and it's just the original Chex Mix. So it's kind of like a savory, salty snack mix. And my family, we used to make it. And that was kind of our, when people would bring us holiday cookies, we would usually give out Chex Mix. And that's something that I've carried on as an adult. I actually, fun fact, made that when I was in college, my like freshman year, I made it as an icebreaker to meet all my dorm mates. So I like oh made a bunch of Chex Mix <laughs> and then walked around and gave it to people as like to try to meet them. <laughs> And I still that's do it amazing. Today. So I send. Um, I think Barry, I sent you Chex Mix. Last I got. Year, I got not. your Chex Mix. I ate all that stuff. That was good. Yeah. It's it's my yeah. favorite, and um, it's. I'm excited to to make it again this year. Woohoo! Me too. I hope I get some. <laughs> oh, you're on the list. Don't worry. Oh, good, good. I've good. checked my list twice. You're on the good list, so you get Chex Mix. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, wonderful. Okay. So before we jump in, we want to do another shout out for a review we got of the podcast and just thank you so much to those who have left us a review. So this one listener on Apple Podcasts said, I love Mary and Logan's take on events, event planning and event production, event strategy, and everything in between. They're both so genuine and eager to share with the event community their tips, hard learned lessons, and strategies so that event professionals everywhere can better themselves just by listening and applying their advice. So thank you so much for this review. We appreciate your support so much. And if you want to help us grow this community, take three minutes or less and just leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you so much. Yeah, that's like the best kind of gift. Maybe better than Chex Mix, but leave us a leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, but especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps us grow our community. And so for this week's topic, we're talking all about um, how you can get executive buy-in buy for new event tech. And I just wanted to set the scene here, like we always do, of just defining what we mean by executive buy-in and by event tech. 
So this topic came up because similar to our earlier on episode that talks about what we wish our clients knew, sometimes Mary and I get brought into the process probably too far down the road where some of the crucial event decisions have already been made about what, how you're going to host, where you're hosting your event, who you're working with, and often what tech you're trying to use. Sometimes we're a part of that process, which is ideal, but um, we wanted to craft this episode so you as an event host, say you're an executive director of an organization or you're there, the uh, corporate planner, and then you work with external vendors to help you execute your event. Here are some, these are five tips we're going to lay out for how you can get your executives, your bosses, your leadership, your company leadership to kind of sign off on some of these additional budget items. Because we found with an event tech, we've talked about it before as well, they're usually more expensive than maybe the way you've been doing it. Like hybrid, having a virtual platform and an in-person venue is going to be more expensive than just having one or the other. Um, and I know, Mary, you live in with a lot of fundraising and nonprofit events and having a, you know, fundraising technology out there that could help save you time and replace some of those papers and things that you often have when you're doing an in-person event. And so we want you to be able to walk away with these five tips to figure out how to structure those conversations and get them to get on your side and invest in some of the new event technology out there that gets Mary and I so excited about the future of events. We've tried to break this down into five tips for getting executive buy-in. And so we're going to go kind of tip by tip and share some examples and thoughts with each one. Um, so pay attention to, we'll try to say the first one and the second one. So you can kind of listen to those tips. But um, so the first one is to know your audience and craft your pitch to those that you're talking to. So Logan, do you want to start us off and expand a little bit on knowing your audience? Yeah, I think this is uh, for you to think of. Again, you're the executive director, you're the event host, you're trying to get buy-in from your investors or the folks signing off on your event budget. So, And the only part, you are going to know those folks best. So maybe you know that your leadership team is really big on the financial side of things. And so the way you need to craft your pitch is going to then really focus on the numbers. Or maybe your, your organization um, your, your leadership folks are really just like anti-technology. They're very much old school. And so having your conversation around ways that you can upgrade that without talking down to them, I think that is a big thing. And this is, I wanted to start with this because knowing your audience is something that you as the executive director, the internal person who works at this organization, like this is your sweet spot where you can really add value because you know how those people work and how they think and being able to then craft this pitch to whoever you're speaking to will really set you up for success in terms of getting them to actually sign off your new uh, technology ideas and something that like as a consultant or a planner, Mary and I could bring to the table, but often this is what we would look to you as the internal person, the client, the person who works for the organization that's hosting the event to come in with that, with that knowledge already. Yeah. I like that thought because we talk about audience all the time, just with events in general, but when you're talking about, you know, pitching to an executive, also understanding who the people are in, internally. And I think that's a really cool angle to to take. And it's, I think people, you know, in my experience in that executive type position really appreciate metrics, which we also talk about all the time. So coming with, you know, proven like whether like these are things that I have done and this is the result that has occurred because of it, or even talking about like comparing, um, you know, if you've done in-person or virtual events, for example, like I could talk about um, the uh, attrition rate throughout an event, right? So like it's for virtual, I could talk about what that those percentages usually are versus like in person and the pros and cons and things like that, technology that can help with that. So I don't know, that's just an example. Bring some numbers with you because you have them or you should have them and they're probably gonna appreciate that. Yeah. 
And our, our second tip would be um, linking the solutions that these tech platforms are going to bring to your event or organization's why. And um, to just add meat to that of like an example for, for, for would be if you're having an, ex an educational event, if you're trying to pitch your executives on letting you have a virtual aspect to have speakers present who are not in person, but virtually, and that you can link it to your why, because by having a virtual option for speakers, you are now just increasing the pool of speakers and the quality of speakers you can bring into, because again, it's an educational event, so you want to have the best speakers available. And it could also be linked to your revenue because you don't have to pay to fly those speakers out and pay for their hotel room. So that's that's one example. And then my other one was in the fundraising vein. It has like having a silent auction where you are using fundraising virtual fundraising event technology to host your silent auction online, but then also encouraging folks who come in person to bid too. It actually expands your bidder pool. So you're not just limiting folks in the room. You now have access to all the people online, people who maybe come in person, friends of people who came in person. And it's actually then going to help you increase the amount of money you've raised. And your why might have been, we want to raise more funds this year. There's a direct link between using this virtual, this fundraising tool online is going to help me raise more money. And creating those links is going to help you when you're making your pitch. Yeah. And I think that these links are so important because with events, you know, it's likely that an organization or company or whoever is going to be doing multiple events. Maybe they're different kinds, like whether once like an internal event, once an external event, once an employee event, once something else, like there's a company party, like there's usually multiple types of celebrations or events that are happening. So if you can find a solution in this situation too, that kind of um, covers multiple events, that's going to be a huge asset to you. And so just kind of going back to this solution could be sort of an all-in-one solution. Like there are those out there that you could reuse. And I think that just like increases the reason to use it. And I think people, executives would also be able to get on board with that idea because you're really going to get a bang for your buck when you're using it and can use it for multiple things. So just another shout out there. Yeah. And some of the platforms, like you said, Mary, if it's an annual fee, it has multiple uses. Right. And also on the side of things, you know, some of these platforms, they do offer just a one-off fee. And you don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, commit to the full year kind of kind of thing. Um, but yeah, before we jump into our third tip, I do want to take a quick ad break. We want to encourage you, our listeners, to also start a podcast if you'd like. We do our podcast through Anchor, and it has been amazing. It really streamlines the process as far as pushing out episodes. It pushes them to the major podcast platforms. It's how you're listening to this right now. And so it's also a great landing place for a general web page for our podcast. So if somebody wants more information, we can send it to them. So if you're interested in recording your own podcast, we encourage you to use Anchor. So make sure you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.f. FM. That's anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. Mary, what is our third tip for getting executive buy-in with new event tech? Our third tip is to get several proposals for the same technology, which are really things that you should be doing in most aspects of life, right? Let's say you're going to redo your floors. Like hopefully you get some different bids on that. It's the same idea. Just get several proposals for the same technology because you can compare. You can compare features. You can compare costs. And then it's also going to help your, help your leadership know that you've done your research and then you can provide benchmarks that you can cross compare solutions with. So overall, this is just a great idea. It's helpful for everyone. And then you can also learn some stuff along the way, learn about new platforms, new features and things like that. Yeah, I think the big thing too here is like everything's 
because it's new, it's don't feel like you're expected to know what the average cost of a fundraising platform is. You know, you might, by going out and doing this exercise of getting three, if you're someone who likes to do even more research, you could do four or five. Um, my, my suggestion would be to narrow it down to three before you do your pitch to executives. So if you want to give them a solution, and I do this with clients, and I think, Mary, you also do this, like we'll often help them with that research. And maybe we look at 10 or we have a list of a bunch that we look at, but we're going to boil it down to three. And of those three, we are going to come to you with one. Here's our recommended one. And I think that's an approach you can use with your organization is if you're looking for a new fundraising tool or a video conferencing tool, you know, coming to them with here's three options. Maybe usually I like to go with like a low, medium, high, or again, different features that they're looking for. And then based on what you know, the, the goal of the event is here would be your recommendation. And that helps guide the conversation. And I think shows your executive team, you've done the, done the homework. So they don't feel like they necessarily have to go do it, but it then still gives them, you know, choices versus saying, here's the one-stop solution. And I wanted to call it out that I think to avoid, we, we wanted to make this point because I wanted to avoid people just choosing a technology that their friend used or another organization used and just assuming it's going to do everything they need it to do. Because if you've listened to other episodes of our podcast, you know that like the number one question we get is like, what's the best platform out, out there? For Mary, it might be fundraising. For me, it might be for virtual event production. And the answer is always, it depends. <laughs> so I feel like you just want to make sure that you do your homework, having examples of what other um, events look like or platforms, or if you have to set up demos and have your executive team join a demo or two, like that's also a great way to kind of prove your concept without jumping fully in to the investment. But yes, I've this is like one of my my favorite of the five. <laughs> yeah, I love I love this too because like if you are a business owner and this is not a service you typically provide, you really should because obviously like we've just discussed, it's really valuable. But also for you, it's a really good service to just provide. Um, I've I found that some people are surprised by it. They're like, oh yeah, actually we really need that breakdown because we aren't sure what platform to use. And I'm like, great. And then I I like it's kind of like what Logan said and we go about it maybe different ways sometimes, but like I literally will pick three based on their needs, create like this cool little like comparison spreadsheet type thing that I create. And then I like show it to them and we talk about the pros and cons of each because I want them to understand like the one that I end up suggesting, like here's, here's why. And it's like this important. I kind of show it to them. And anyway, so like I've found that people are surprised. So if this is something that you aren't providing, you should, because it's valuable. And I think it could even be a standalone service just from like a businessy side point. You could just offer this to people sometimes. And I think it'd be really, really good use of your time. Yeah. Like if you're someone who does fundraising events, having this as an add-on that you're also a consultant for selecting the right platform, or mm -hmm. if you're an event producer for select, it's similar to kind of venue selection. You know, I think some right. planners add that into their packages and like that. Um, yeah. Oh, there is some of the um, selling psychology at play here too, when we say, um, you know, how Mary's talking about, she lays it out visually as here's my three options. And it's some kind of chart that she, that she's showcasing. How, there is say like science behind why doing like a three option, a limited options works in terms of achieving what you're going for, which is selling somebody on one of those three options and not giving them an option not to use it. If you have too many options, I found with clients, they get overwhelmed and that's often why it's a great service to have as an event pro, but also if you're someone internally trying to pitch this to your higher ups, having like a limited option for them to choose from 
um, helps kind of narrow that conversation and like contextualize them to pick one of those three versus thinking about it like, oh, we should use a virtual fundraising tool, but who knows what we would use instead coming to that conversation saying we should use a fundraising tool. And here's three ones that I think would be a great fit of those three. I'm really excited about this one, but let me lay them all out for you. That's a Mm -hmm. very different conversation. And I think you walk away then with very different leadership buy-in on those options. Yeah, agreed. And I think that brings us to our fourth tip. So Logan, you want to say the fourth one? Yeah. Uh, For our fourth one of five set key metrics. Mary, you touched on this earlier, but it's really important to set some kind of metrics that you want to use as an organization for your event when you're using this any event technology. And then don't forget to revisit them after your event. So like goals are only great if you actually go back and see, oh, did, you know, did we achieve them or did our goals shift? Um, these, I think, could be things like hard metrics, I would call them, like money raised or revenue generated from your event, depending on what kind of event you're doing. And it can also just be like soft metrics, which I think are hard to, these are ones I would say are like hard to quantify and put numbers to, but uh, attendee feedback, or I just, I had a hybrid event that I helped execute where we had a virtual option for speakers. Attendance was hundred percent in person, but we had some in-person speakers and some virtual speakers. And we had overwhelmingly positive feedback from both attendees because they got access to some really cool speakers who got to tune in virtually and from the virtual speakers. Cause they were like, this is so easy. I don't have to fly there. I can just tune in for my one hour session and, I, and I'm done. So those would be a softer metric that you can't put a number to that show oh, this aspect of the event was actually a success. Yeah, and just to kind of drive this home a little bit further, um, I think sometimes when we think about this at the end of an event, some folks are like, well, well, I did a survey. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that's like a little bit more tangible because surveys, by the way, as far as data collection goes, are very skewed. And so you want something that is like much more metric driven. So just kind of surveys are great for certain, you know, you get like opinions and actual like verbal, uh, you know, written down feedback from people. But we're talking about metrics here. So just wanted to add that in there, which I think then brings us to our fifth point which is to try something, which sounds really easy, right? But (laughs) to try something. So if you're new to a tech platform, like for a fundraising event or a virtual event or something, you need to try something to learn what you like and what you don't like, right? That makes sense. And so um, you can start small or just take a big leap, but just start and start exploring the options that are out there and then try something. Because once you try something, you can then better recommend it. Yeah, I think this one is really helpful if you are part of an organization where you already kind of have some buy-in to, you know, the higher-ups just kind of buy into whatever you get excited about as the event organizer, um, the executive director, and you have that freedom to try, you know, maybe you've never done virtual before and you can do a workshop virtually, um, something that kind of is a low effort, but will teach you whether it's helping you know how many of your attendees would show up or knowing what to charge, or if you're trying like a fundraising tool, Um, putting just part of your auction online and doing the rest in person and just seeing what happens because, you know, you can do all these, you can follow our steps one through four, but honestly, it doesn't mean anything until you actually try something. Uh, And I I find that sometimes clients and organizations get stuck in the ideation phase and kind of like talk them, they talk themselves into something and then they talk themselves out of it if they wait too long. And the ones I've seen really succeed have tried something. And then after that been like, great, okay, Going back to our fourth point, revisiting your metrics after your event. Okay, I liked this. I didn't like this. I wish it had more of this. 
because then um, like when it comes to live streaming or a virtual event host platform, there's so many platforms out there. And I often will go and say, Hey, just, you know, zoom's a great option just because everyone's comfortable with it. The barrier to entry is incredibly low right now. And I even was seeing Mary, like Vimeo has now hosted their, their own event platform. And Vimeo is a great live streaming tool for just videos and things. But in my head, I'm already thinking, okay, I'm going to have to test this out. I'm going to have to like, you and I are going to have to get on and play around with it before I really would recommend it to someone just because it's, it's new. It's going to be a new interface. People are going to have to figure out where the chat is, how to ask questions. So um, there's definitely like low hanging fruit of platforms you can try. And same with like on the fundraising side, uh, or if you're thinking about new event tech, like uh, Mary had talked about in an earlier episode about IMEX, her experience at IMEX America, where they had QR codes on their badges that folks got to scan and exchange contact information. You know, that's a very robust, probably event registration system that they utilized. And that's something that she's sitting here talking to us about today, that that was so cool. So that clearly was a win for IMEX. And, you know, maybe that's something you're thinking about utilizing at your event. But my, my biggest thing out of all of this is just making sure that you as an executive director, as an event host, an organization, don't put your head in the sand and keep doing things the way you've been doing them just because the world's opening back up again. And that event technology no matter really what it is, has a lot of opportunity out there. And you just need to figure craft that message to rationalize that to your higher ups of why they should spend more money on something that's going to save you time and energy <laughs> in the long run. Um, because I think it's definitely worth it. And, and you definitely need to be thinking about that as a way to engage with your existing audience and also to grow your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And with all of this, you know, I it comes down to the the folks that you're working with. So, you know, the executives of the company, they're in that role for a reason, you know, most times. And so they, they, uh, they know what they do know what's best. And so though sometimes there can be a lot of pushback when it comes to trying something new and innovating, I think they also know, you know, don't get overwhelmed with it. There is just something small that you can do. So I want to reiterate that if nothing else, like start with baby steps, but just continue to try to to do what you can to recommend moving forward in some direction. You don't have to do the full like new production, like metaverse, like avatar situation. You know, it can be something a little bit smaller than that, or it could be the full thing, you know, whatever works for them. Um, but just keep that in mind that um, there's lots of, lots of tangible, small, accessible things that you can do. So I want to throw that out there too. Never want to make it seem too overwhelming. And, and I think, Mary, too, normalize it like you are going to get pushback. There will mm -hmm. always be somebody who wants to do it the way it's been done every time before. And they're going to take some convincing and, you know, they might not even like it after the first time you use it. I mean, the number of fundraising events or nonprofit events I've done that people are really upset. You know, we can't go virtual. People love the writing down on the piece of paper as they bid for their item. You know, there's no, you know, there's no joy like writing my name down and then seeing someone else write their name down. And then I walk back up and outbid them again. And, you know, that's maybe that's true. There's some joy in handwriting that, but you can have that experience online. You can get in a bidding war you're getting next to. It's just on your phone, you know, versus being on a piece of paper. And you're going to have those folks that don't want to do it where it's natural or as humans, like we don't want to go outside of our comfort zones. But I think there's so many exciting tools out there that will save you time as an event organizer. Cause like, I don't think people think through like to have that piece of paper at that silent auction in front of that item, you as the organizer had to like print all of those out, put them all out there, make sure you collect them. You have to then take that analog handwritten data and put it in a computer versus if you ran it all online, it's, it's all there. The reports in an instant, you could run a report of who won, who's the highest bidder and it instantly can, you know, build them kind of thing. Like there's, 
so much opportunity to save you time and money at a cost of the whatever event technology you're going for. But there's an opportunity there that you don't want to miss out on just because you might have some folks in your organization who don't want to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you're a business owner who is you bring being brought on as an event planner, you know, or producer to do this, that's also something to look for when you are working, when you're deciding if you want to work with the client too, right? Because if you're going to get constant pushback the whole time, that might not be somebody that you want to work with. Um, so they should, you know, be hiring you because you are the expert. And so you should be able to have a little bit more pull to and implementing at least some of these ideas, right? So if there's going to be constant pushback and things like that, just from, you know, right now I'm speaking specifically to like the business owner, event planners, consultants, like this group, just keep that in mind too, as you're selecting your clients. It's a great point, Mary. Yeah, it's, it's definitely could be a potential there's, I know, a trend on social media about red flags. Like that's definitely a red flag if you're suggesting some things that'll save them time and money. All you're hearing or knows. So, um, and then I think my last we we do we are still gonna do a bonus tip for the end of the episode. But I always love to do we love to do another little extra bonus. I know we said five. This is kind of like a soft sixth tip. But um, if anything that we've been saying is overwhelming you, this is a place that you can ask for help. This is where external event planners like Mary and myself, contractors, consultants can you know, it can be really helpful. Look for folks who like have experience with different technologies. I tend to try to stay away. I would suggest staying away from someone who's, who only uses one tool. Maybe it's the best tool out there, but they might then be more focused on their own incentive for maybe they get, you know, they're getting money back from that platform that they're utilizing or something like that. But you want to be working with someone who's going to listen to your needs and your ideas of what you're looking for in a platform and prioritize their own. So this is a place that I think hiring an external planner can be really helpful if you need help crafting that message. Again, you would have to get executive buy-in on hiring that external planner to then get executive buy-in on the event tech. But these are conversations that I know Mary and I are very comfortable having um, and have, have crafted many a time for, for a planner. So if you are you work for an organization, again, this is like one of those reasons that you could reach out to to a vendor. And vendors, like Mary said, this is another tool for your toolkit that you can offer your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. And feel free to reach out if you have any further questions or thoughts or any suggestions about any of these things. You know, we're always interested in learning about new tech. So maybe there's something if you've been a longtime listener, we haven't talked about and you're like, why aren't they talking about that? Well, maybe reach out to us and then we can talk about it. So always open to new ideas. So um, with that, I think, Logan, it's bonus tip time, right? The actual bonus yes, tip. Our actual <laughs> bonus, bonus tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for our bonus tip today, I have that and I am pulling off a recent experience where um, talking about day of communications, you know, this is what I'm really speaking to now is like a virtual or hybrid event. But um, so who do you need to talk to during the day of and how are you going to talk to them, whether that's an internal team or maybe it's the client as well? And that's something that you need to figure out beforehand and I'll be on the same page about. So I recently did an event where we were kind of communicating in multiple ways, like there's like a text chat and then there's um, like a Slack chat going as well. And then I also was getting emails. And so it just became kind of a lot. And we and I will say before we did this, we tried to streamline the process. It's just that message didn't really hit home. And so here's one thing that I missed out, which I really enjoy. And Logan and I usually do this. I know on events that we're doing together is having like a verbal communication system, like internally, especially is so much more efficient than like, ta- like uh, texting or 
um, chatting in Slack or something like that. And so just having the opportunity to speak verbally to one another is something that I really appreciate. It saves a lot of time. And so I would just recommend that. And this goes for in-person too, right? Um, like a lot of times you're walking around and you have your um, radio and your microphone and things like that that you're carrying around that you can communicate like walkie-talkie style, right? And so just be able to talk to one another. That's my bonus tip for the day. Yes, please, please utilize. It's almost holiday. It is almost holiday season. So if you know planner, great gift. A set of walkie talkies on Amazon. We got them for my partner who has a starting an event venue. And we got them. It was a great gift because I said, yeah, if you're relying on text, you have to rely on that other person on the end of the phone to be noticing their phone and notice that text message versus a verbal, you know, a walkie talkie kind of system. So thanks, Mary. That was great. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Better Events Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you all for listening. And we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.